The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. It's David, and Isaac is going to be here at some point. I assume he said he was going to. He hasn't showed up. We are back with more draft coverage. We have Mr. Derek Murray of Basketball News with us today. He's going to come on and talk to us about three guys that could be available for the Grizzlies at 17. He let us pick them out. So we're going with uh, Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, and Zaire Williams. Um, Zaire Williams is an upside swing. I think Isaiah Jackson would be kind of the same thing. And Duarte is a little bit of kind of what the Grizzlies have, have been targeting over the last few years since Kleiman has been the GM and running the show. So, Derek, well, how, first off, how are you, man? You doing good? Yeah, I'm good. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, you know, we got two weeks up until the draft, so really getting into the uh, into the thick of it here. But I've always enjoyed doing the kind of the team-specific ones because you kind of get to put a hat on and not just generally talk about the board as a whole. You know, talking about what the Grizzlies, you know, may look for in a couple guys is always exciting. So before we get into this year's draft class and, and talking about those three guys, I know that you were in Memphis for the Iverson Classic. So who impressed you the most out of, you know, I mean, there were some some big names there as far as, uh, you know, high school guys. Who impressed you the most in the Iverson Classic? You know, I think Holmgren and Benchero kind of stand alone at the top as far as guys that I was, you know, really impressed with. Benchero, you know, he's six foot ten. He's like 250 pounds already. The kid's humongous and has guard skills, moves well. He's really competitive. So I think he'll be um, pretty much a lock for a top three, maybe even, you know, top one or two coming out of Duke next year. Holmgren, if anybody's been watching, been dom- or dominated uh, up until maybe the France game in the championship over in FIBA because Wembenyaba gave him a hard, a, a difficult, difficult contest there at the end. But, you know, again, Zaga, he's seven foot, seven foot, I think three or four wingspan. Uh, again, comfortable with the ball in his hands, pulling up, can create his own shot. And he's a menace on defense as well, really. Um, is a ball hawk on the defensive end and loves to contest at the rim. Um, those two kind of stood out. I think just Memphis local, I think, uh, you know, there's a kid going there next year, Joshua, I believe his last name is Minot or Minot. Um, it's how you say that, but he's going to play for the Tigers next year. And I was really impressed with him. A top 50 kid as a recruit, uh, kind of raw on offense, but again, the, he's flashed the ball handling. He's flashed uh, the ability to create for himself and for others. And, Again, if his shooting can be more consistent, I think um, you know that Memphis staff is going to have a really, really good young player, Josh, next year. So he impressed me a lot. Yeah, Ty Ty Washington had a pretty good showing there as well, didn't he? Yeah, Ty Ty. Again, we saw him. Matt and I saw him in Dayton, Ohio, back in March uh, at a tournament, and it really put him on the map for us. You know, just in control all the time. A good, good positional size, six three, six three and a half and just comfortable. The, the game does not move too fast for him at all. He is always under control. He's a step ahead of the opposition. And again, even in the Iverson Classic against the best com- competition in the country, he didn't miss a beat. Uh, won the three-point contest as well. You know, real lights-out shooter. And I, I think at Kentucky, I think he's going to come in and you're going to see immediate impact right off the bat. All right. All right, we'll, we'll move on from that. Let, let's dig into the, the mean potatoes, if you will, of, of what we brought you on for. So the, the three guys, I'll let you start with whoever, whichever direction you want to go. But uh, Zaire, Isaiah Jackson, or uh, Duarte, who do you want to start with, man? Yeah, so right now in our mock draft, we have um, Duarte, actually, to Memphis there at 17. So we'll just start with him. And 
I think he can make sense. You know, if that's the direction they wanted to go, it makes sense because he can play right now. And I think you know what you're getting from him right now. Um, he is going to be 24 on draft night. So there will be a lot of teams to shy away from him because of his age, especially when you have, you know, 18 and 19 year olds available. 24 is, is pretty old in the big scheme of things. But again, an adequate defender, he's intelligent on that end, can work on his feet a little bit, but he is a lights out shooter, can get to the rim, can create his own shot, can shoot off movement and off the standstill. Uh, and he's a fiery competitor. You know, that kid was a multi-sport athlete his whole life, um, fell in love with basketball, realized it was his path. And, you know, he just wants to win all the time. So, again, Duarte, I, I try to envision the Grizzlies with Bain and Duarte stretching the floor on the wings, and that could be really, really difficult to stop. And Duarte is probably my favorite prospect for the Grizzlies at 17. I know him being 24 is kind of – I think if, if he was 18, 19 years old, he'd probably be a top, top 10 pick in this draft. I think he'd be a lottery pick, no doubt about it. Outside of being 24, I mean, he – is a rare prospect that does it well on both ends. And usually you have a lot of guys that are really good offensively, but aren't good defensively outside of being 24. What would you kind of say was a weakness of his? So he's not the best live dribble passer in the class. You know, a lot of times he has to kill his dribble to make a pass. Um, and they're more reactionary than they are anticipatory. Like he doesn't manipulate the defense very well. He'll take what they give you or what they give him but it's not that he's creating all these looks or passing lanes for himself. And that's where the playmaking is generally for himself, um, generally speaking. And so that's where all, all the shooting comes into play. But as a facilitator, I think he could work on some things there. On defense, again, he's not an elite defender, but again, he's a good athlete and he's smart. So he's constantly making good rotations. He's in the right position. Uh, and even when his you know, leaping ability lacks in the paint among like NBA-level athletes, He's still in the right position to contest, to get in the way of passing lanes. And again, on defense, he's never going to be elite, but he's going to get the job done well enough to where you don't take him off the floor by any means. So one thing that we uh, we look at whenever we're, we're looking at prospects for the Grizzlies, and I know sometimes you just kind of pick the, the best talent available and not necessarily go for fit. But um, we, we look at guys that can do it off of the ball because John Morant's going to be a ball-dominant guard. How do you feel like that's going to translate for Duarte at the next level? Is he going to be a good off-the-ball guy? Yeah, that's one of Duarte's strengths. The intelligence and the willingness to cut and relocate and create space without the ball uh, is definitely something he's good at. And, and again, that's where him shooting off standstill or off the move, you know, any direction, doesn't matter if he's open or if it's in transition, half-court, hand in his face, doesn't matter. You know, off the ball, he's a threat. You have to know where he is. Okay. All right. You got anything else on, on anything else on him that stands out that would ma like make you turn your head or like really bring you out of your seat or anything that we haven't discussed on him? I think just his competitive nature is something that people really need to, or, you know, I, I hope people really understand that that's a real thing. Like that kid wants to win and he wants to win more than anything else. And a lot of these guys, you know, sometimes you get in the league, you get money, and then you can coast. You know, that's what you kind of have to suss out about some of these guys. And I don't think that's going to be an issue with Duarte. Like, the kid's a competitor. Yeah, you could definitely you could definitely see that uh, in his game when you watch him play. I mean, he cares about winning. I mean, that's the kind of prospect that – and that's why I like him so much for the Grizzlies. Not only is he talented, like you said, I like his attitude, the fire that he plays with. Um, I think 
again, like you said, he's super competitive, and I, I love him. And I think the Grizzlies have an M.O. of kind of taking these older guys, like you kind of mentioned that a little bit, whether it's uh, Desmond Bain or Xavier Tillman or even going back to Brandon Clark. They've had success with that. We kind of talked about this could be a season where they might be in a position to go another direction. But, again, I mean, he would make a lot of sense for the Grizzlies there at 17, and it kind of, again, it kind of fits their M.O. Oh, let's let's move on. Um, Zaire Williams is a guy, and I know that there were a lot of Grizzlies fans that really liked him, and, and he he's more of an upside swing. He's not the, I guess, prototypical guy the Grizzlies would target at, over the last few years anyway. Um, he's a guy that I can see the size and athleticism, but going back and looking at the limited college film and even the numbers from college, he's not a guy that really jumps off the paper. So what, what do you see from him that uh, that makes him kind of deserving of being uh, in this area of the draft? So Zaire is really interesting. I've talked to some scouts and executives that like him in the mid-first, and I've talked to others that wouldn't dare touch him in the first round. It's actually kind of interesting how polarizing, you know, the thoughts are around him. Only averaged 10 points a game, uh, you know, four rebounds, two assists at Stanford. When he really came in, and hung his hat on being a shot maker. And he just really wasn't that good of a shooter. It was, it was kind of a letdown. He shot 29% from three on 4.0 attempts per game and 42% from two, you know, 80% from the free throw line. So there are shades to say, okay, like, you know, the shooting's somewhere down there in him. But again, he flashed some tough shot making and the ability to create some space, but it just really lacked when that's what he was supposed to hang his hat on. So do you go ahead, Isaac. Yeah, with uh, Zaire, I mean, I I, I work for rivals as well, um, as well as hoop ball. So I cover a lot of high school basketball and, and recruits. And he was a tremendous high school player. Um, and, and like you said, he did come into Stanford. It was kind of a tough year with the COVID year and everything going on. But he, he really struggled. Uh, like you said, the shooting numbers, 29%. I think he was 23 or 79 overall. Still took four games. So he was putting them up, but he just, just wasn't making a lot. Just not efficient at all, 37.4% from the field overall, uh, when I look at it, man, I just don't see what a lot of people see uh, as far as him being a prospect in the mid-first round. I just, I'm on, on, one, on the train of one of those guys that probably wouldn't touch him there. Uh, what, what do you think is the upside for him, and what do you think that people that really like him, what do you think they see? Yeah, the guys who like him, they see a six-foot-eight long ball handler who they believe can become comfortable running pick and roll and facilitating a lot of the offense uh, down the road. And he did. He showed some ability to run pick and roll, to create for himself in isolation. It just, it just wasn't there. Like you could see shades of it. You could see the flashes. Obviously in high school, a lot of it was there in his tape. Yeah. But again, he just didn't put it together at Stanford. So I, I think a lot of it is against the better competition. It showed that maybe his skill set hasn't grown with him. And not so much that this kid, you know, quote, will never be able to do this. So if somebody takes him in the mid first, you know, anywhere in that 15 to 20, 15 to 25, I think it's because that they're betting on, again, the size, the way he moves, how comfortable he is with the ball in his hand. And then they do buy the shot making. That's just a lot of ifs. And you do also have to worry about his body. You know, his lower body is a concern to a lot of teams dealt with some injuries this year. Just skinny kids going to have to put on some weight. Yeah. So. Again, the upside is there. I, the people who do like him, like I see it, 
there's just a lot of things that are going to have to go the right way for him to really click. Yeah, he definitely has some some fans here in Memphis. Uh, it wouldn't be the direction I'd go, but uh, again, we we've talked about them having the mo of kind of taking these older guys and guys that are ready to step in day one, like a Chris Duarte. Uh, I, uh, Zara Williams is actually the complete polar opposite of that, uh, but they are in a position where they can wait. Not a lot of roster spots, not a lot of minutes for a rookie anyway. So Zaire is a guy that you could send out to the G League and hopefully develop down there in a couple of years down the line and see what you have. But again, man, I mean, he did not a lot of production at, Z- at Stanford. And I-, I don't know, man, I just don't see it there in the middle of the first round. I wouldn't take him there, but I mean, if you're going to take a huge swing, I mean, he's, he's a big swing. Uh, that's the type of guy right. you look at when you talk about upside. So Stanford kind of had a little bit of, of funky stuff going on, like with their yeah, scheduling. They did. And so, <laughs> How much do you think that, you know, not really having a home game, that there was pretty much no stability for, for him, like in his college career being at Stanford, and that's not anything to do with, with the school itself. It's just COVID related. Do you think that has anything to do with him not being able to be as productive as expected at Stanford? I do. There were also some things that I was told. Uh, again, I went out to Impact Basketball, watched him train in Vegas a couple weeks ago. And I, I had some stuff shared with me that, you know, he dealt with some personal stuff as well throughout the year and would deal with some personal issues. And then, you know, that very night or the next night have to go out and play like a big time conference game. You know, I, if, let, let's be honest with ourselves. If we're 18, 19 years old, I don't know if I'd be able to play my best basketball if I was dealing with some stuff at home or at school, you know, kind of off the court. It's, it's hard for a lot of these young kids to kind of still focus on the game. So that made me back off a little bit uh, from at least the productivity standpoint and, you know, the lack of production at times um, when the kid's got a lot going on in his head, you know, I don't know. I, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit just from a mental health perspective, but I, I do think the scheduling, you know, the COVID year, the whole thing, Stanford dealt with a lot as a team. Um, I, I by no means am putting it all um, or even most of it on, on his shoulders. So you went out and, and watched him. Did he show you anything in person? Was there anything that surprised you watching him live? So one of the first things I do when I see people live is get a feel for how big they are or how big they actually are. And then, um, you know, <laughs> how they move. Because people are six, eight and a quarter without shoes at the combine. And when I saw him in Vegas, that was one of my first thoughts. Was, okay, this kid's legitimately like six eight, you know, six nine and a half in his shoes, which was good. And that's again when teams get in front of him and they see a six foot nine guy who can handle the ball, of course they're going to be enamored with that. So I like that he was actually big, moved really well, and had some pretty tight handles as well. I expected his handle to be a little bit looser than it was, which was a good thing. We'll still have to tighten it up to be a legitimate ball handler at the NBA level. But those are the things that kind of came away with from that workout. Yeah, and and at his age, you've got plenty of time to see right. that kind of progress. All right, so so the last guy first round that we're looking at that could be available at seventeen for the Grizzlies, and I saved him for last for a reason because uh, I talked to Derek a little bit about this before we started recording. But uh, Isaiah Jackson is a true five, and that's something I I still am not convinced that Jaron is going to ever really be able to play the five effectively. So I would like to see the Grizzlies target a five. Then and if they're taking an uh, upside swing, I really think that he is one of the guys. You know, he he's one of the bigs out there that you could take a swing on. So, Derek, t- tell us what you think about Isaiah Jackson. 
Yeah, so I think 15 to 20 is probably a good range for him. You know, based on him pulling out of the combine and some other things I've heard, there may be a promise in there somewhere. I don't know if he'll get to Memphis. So I don't want to I don't want to break your heart there. <laughs> there is, but there 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 is a world where Jackson. I've been told that he's closer to maybe six nine and a half, six ten, more than that listed six eleven. So I'm hesitant to say that he's a true five. But again, his skill set, I don't know if he's ever going to be a versatile stretch four. So to your point, I still think he plays the five. Um, but this kid's leaping ability is just special. I mean, he is explosive. He can protect the rim, um, defend all over the floor with his athleticism and mobility. Rim runs. He's a great lob target. I mean, this kid is just a freak athlete. And I believe he's got seven two wingspan as well, seven one seven two. Again, all the physical tools you want. Um, he's just gonna have to put it together on offense. He's pretty raw, but again, as a defender, you know what you're gonna get pretty early in his career. Yeah, he'd be really fun uh, to to watch with playing with Ja. I mean, you can imagine some of those lobs that that he get with playing with a point guard like Ja Morant. Um, and another thing that he does that really fits what the Grizzlies need. We kind of saw the pick-and-roll defense on display in, in the playoffs against Utah, Jonas Valanciunas really struggles. And Isaiah Jackson, I think he's going to be a, a master at, at guarding the pick-and-roll, man. The way he can move, he's mobile, he can get out on guards, get back into the paint. I just love the the, the way he plays. That offensive game, like you said, is, is really raw, and that's kind of where he's a work in progress. And I think, I mean, you, he's again, he's going to be a guy that you, you probably send down to the G League for, for some prep down there and, uh, but you see a lot of a lot of tools with him. Um, I mean, he's has a lot of upside, and, and I, I wouldn't mind him seeing him in a Grizzlies uniform. Yeah, Jackson's the kind of kid for me as well. Like, you see what he struggles with on offense, but at the NBA level, he's probably not going to be asked to do those things. Yeah. So if you focus on what he does well, then you could have a really, really good player in your hand. If all you want is pick and rolls, um, maybe a couple baseline mid-range jumpers, but you're mostly attacking the rim. I mean, that's what he excels at, you know? So if that's, if that's your game plan for him, then picking him early makes a ton of sense. Yeah. I, I think that in, in and of itself would be a great reason for him to be with Memphis because you, you know, the, the bulk of your offensive load, you have Valentinus right now, that's kind of demanding a little bit of it, but you have, you know, Jaron wasn't healthy for most of the year. So you have Ja, you have Jaron, Dylan, and then we still haven't seen Desmond Bain fully develop. You know, we, we don't know what he's going to be able to bring. He showed flashes of more than just the, you know, the shooter that he gets labeled as. He's definitely more than that. So I don't know that they need a guy at the five that is handling the offensive load that JV yeah. is handling right now. I think that they have, you know, plenty of offense in other places. So that's, like I said, I, I would be – so happy if, if they swing at a, at a, a big here. I don't know that they will. And, you know, like you said, there's no guarantee that he makes it to Memphis anyway. So we'll see you on draft night. So before we get you out of here, we want to talk about the, the second round stuff. Some guys that, you know, Memphis is late in the second round. They're around 51. Uh, you look at, uh, at different big boards and from 40 to 60, it, <laughs> all like, there's the people all over. So give us, uh, you know, maybe a couple, two or three guys, and we didn't talk about anybody specifically before, but two or three guys that you like for Memphis in, in the 51 area. Yeah, so if, if you don't go with a guy like Duarte in the first round, you know, Joe Wieskamp would be awesome if you could get him late in the second. Uh, the sharpshooter from Iowa had a great combine, 6'6 six, six without shoes, 
6'11 wingspan and jumped a 42 inch vertical after hitting 46% from three this year at Iowa. So I think he's a target. He might not make it down to 50. He played so well or measured so well at the combine that people really started to like him. Um, I think Zegarowski would be an interesting guy as a backup point guard from Creighton. Isaiah Livers um, and Sam Hauser, I think, are two interesting ones. Again, that also help you space the floor next to a guy like Bain. They're very good off the ball, not really initiators with the ball in their hand at all. But again, they're knockdown uh, snipers from deep. And I think that gives Jaw room to work. So that's where Hauser and Livers, uh, I think, are interesting. And, you know, if you really want to take a flyer on a guy late, Jericho Sims, uh, Nemius Cata, maybe some backup bigs if you wanted to go big, depending on how your first round goes. So, again, <laughs> trying to predict 40 through 60, 45 through 60. I mean, there's like 50 guys you could throw in there. Because even, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, think about the first sure. 20 that didn't even make our mock draft. You could tell me they got picked at 50. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes total sense. So that's <laughs> tough. But I think you have to look at the skills that you would look for. Maybe a backup big um, or guys or guys who are going to stretch the floor, like Hauser, Livers, guys who could just really shoot the lights out. Yeah, I put out a I, I put out a tweet uh, on yesterday. I was like thinking of some second round guys that I like, and I just meant to put a couple guys. And I looked down and I had fifteen guys on the list. So I think this draft has a lot of depth. There's a lot of guys that I like, and, and, and me and David have talked about this. I mean, you look from like twenty five down. I mean, you look at different mocks. They have guys all over the place. Like I saw a, a, a mock that had Wieskamp in late first round now. Uh, so he's really been rising up board. So there's a there's a lot of guys uh, there in the second round. One guy that I do want to ask you about is uh, Joshua Primo, um, a, a young kid out of Alabama, only 18 years old. Uh, just a lot of upside making guard to one, two, three, has size at, at six, six, like a six, nine wingspan. I mean, he's young, raw, but I, I can see him two or three years down the line. You can look up and he could be one of the, the better players out of this draft, and he's projected to go early second round right now. Kind of, what are your thoughts on Primo? Yeah, Primo's a guy who he struggled with consistency a lot this year. You know, I think he only averaged what eight points, three and a yeah. half rebounds. Number, yeah, I think, numbers right don't jump out at you at all. Yeah, like the numbers don't jump out. Um, he shot he shot forty one percent from three in conference play and ninety percent from the free throw line. Uh, again. He's, you know, six five, six five and a half without shoes, six nine wingspan. Very, very, very young. I believe he would be the youngest player in this class. Yeah, maybe, so. maybe ahead of, I think, Perkichin. You know, Rocco may be the only one competing with him for youngest. But again, his, he hasn't even scratched the surface of what he could become. Um, when, when the draft process first started at the end of the season, people maybe looked at him as early to early second as a stretch. I mean, now you're looking. I think 20 to 35 is probably his range. I mean, I think he could climb up into the back end of the first and it wouldn't shock me at all. He's just got so much room to grow. You know, he's so young and, and you've already seen the flashes of the talent there with the upside. I think Primo could be really, really good. Isaac just done that to fluff his ego. <laughs> he was hoping you'd say something. He was hoping you'd say good yeah, stuff. Yeah, man, I, I love Primo, man. I think he's going to be really good it. a few years yeah. down the line. Yeah, I saw him. I saw him twice this year. I saw him at Arkansas and I saw him at uh, Oklahoma. And you know, one game I I left and I thought, oh man, this kid's got so far. Like this kid's got so far to go. Like physically, he looks great, but he just won't put it together. The other game I left, I'm thinking, oh, I'd take this kid top 25. And I wouldn't think <laughs> twice about it. <laughs> so that it's it was the the flow and the consistency that really got him. But again, I don't I don't think he'll be on the board long. I think you know early second, probably at the at the latest for him. 
All right. Well, Derek, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to come on with us. Uh, go ahead and, and let everybody know where they can find you and we'll get out of here. Yeah. Uh, my, my Twitter is D Murray NBA. Um, you can find uh, my guy, Matt Babcock as well over basketball news and Matt Babcock 11 is his Twitter. Uh, we're always trying to put out some fresh content, had a couple more workouts recently. So we're trying to get that footage up for everybody. And again, uh, David, Isaac, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. Always, always appreciate it. Talking draft and, crazy we got two more weeks i think two weeks from today so getting down to it yeah man we definitely appreciate you jumping on with us always enjoy enjoy your insight yeah it's coming up man two weeks from today man we'll be we won't be talking about it anymore man it'll actually actually be happening man i can't i can't wait for it all right guys you can get isaac on twitter at isaac underscore rivals i'm at dwill 2111 the show is at football Grizz. we appreciate you guys listening we are out. This has been a hoop ball presentation.